Well, good morning, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us. It is Friday, September 1st, 2023. Hard to believe it's already September, but uh, what a great show we have planned for you today. I've got David Fiorazzo on lots to talk about with him and uh, his new podcast that's coming up, Worldview Matters. Um, I'll bring David on here in just a moment, but uh, being that it's September the 1st, I wanted to give a, a big shout out to my granddaughter, Zoe. Today is her fourth birthday, so happy birthday, Zoe. And uh, if you guys uh, in the listening audience want to encourage Brooke, uh, Brooke is Zoe's mom. Brooke works for NBW Ministries. Uh, several of you have probably interacted with her by phone or email. Uh, shoot her an email today at uh, brooke at notbyworks.org, uh, B-R-O-O-K-E, brooke at notbyworks.org, and just say, hey, uh, tell Zoe we said happy birthday. I know Zoe will get a kick out of that as well. Uh, so before I bring David on, just a couple of uh, more announcements here. We've had a great week already. Uh, this week with uh, some podcasts. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, be sure and go to notbyworks.org, click on the podcast tab, and you can see what's listed there. Uh, we had Randy on yesterday for World Events Update. That normally happens on Wednesday, but because of some construction around here, we had to push that off until yesterday. So that's uh, uh, Thursday. And then we had, of course, Prophecy Night was Tuesday night. And we talked about reasons the church will not go through the rapture. And remember, that's our last Tuesday night, prophecy night, uh, for a while anyway. We're taking a break as I hit the road for some travel uh, this fall. And then uh, I was on uh, Tuesday with David's uh, friend, Mary Danielson, at Stand Up For The Truth. We talked about a tale of two beasts, and uh, that was a really compelling interview, the coming AI-facilitated uh, religion. And, uh, and speaking of the coming AI-facilitated religion. My uh, brand new book went on sale today, Spirit of the False Prophet, The Rise of the Global Technocracy. And so uh, I encourage you to check out spiritofthefalseprophet.org, spiritofthefalseprophet.org. And that's where you can uh, kind of learn all about the, the new book. We've listed the whole preface there for you. You can read it. We gave a kind of a summary at the top of the page. And then we also listed uh, the entire table of contents. And as I mentioned yesterday with Randy, let me give you a quick quick rundown here of some of the things we cover as we focus on the false prophet's role and how the stage is being set for his reign of terror. He is uh, kind of the Antichrist's henchman, his second in command. So we talk in the book about uh, the Luciferians in sheep's clothing and how throughout the centuries, false prophets has always, have always played a key role. We went and looked at biblical history into the Old Testament and, of course, Jesus' warnings about false prophets and church-age false prophets. And then, of course, the coming end times false prophet himself with a capital F and a capital P. Then we got into some technocratic tyranny and talked about how the Luciferians have been striving to rule by technology and they're worshiping at the altar of technology and talked about transhumanism and global hegemony in the twilight of America. And then I uh, have a chapter on Yuval Noah Harari, a wolf in wolf's clothing, as I call him. He doesn't even try to hide his uh, unashamed uh, Luciferianism. And he really is one of the best candidates, I think, today for, to be the false prophet if the Lord were to come back in our day. 
Chapter six is my favorite chapter in the whole book. That's artificial intelligence, science fiction no longer. And by the way, throughout the book, I do my best to define some of these terms that have become mainstream, like chat GPT and AI uh, in layman's terms so that we can kind of understand what's really happening. But the chapter on AI is really uh, both simultaneously scary and powerful because I talk about how the false prophet and the Antichrist will use uh, that technology to roll out the full-spectrum planetary control grid. Uh, one of the other reasons I love Chapter 6 is because I have a section in there where I had a, a dialogue with AI Jesus. That's right. There are at least two that I've seen, uh, artificial intelligence app, apps out there that pro portend to be Jesus Christ himself. They're imitating him and and uh, taking his place, if you will, and people are flocking to it by the thousands, having conversations with this fake Jesus. And so I had I had one um, with the help of my friend uh, Shane, our technologist in residence, if you will. And uh, it is stunning uh, what that AI Jesus said you have to do to be saved, and I critique that in the book. Uh, on and on, we talk about data harvesting, mind control. We have a chapter on hacking and tracking humanity, a chapter on digital currency and CBDCs. And then I, in at the end of the book, I give a practical chapter on how to escape the prison planet. How can you fly under the radar and, and uh, kind of keep your digital footprint uh, to a minimum? So I hope you'll check it out, spiritofthefalseprophet.org. Uh, we're taking orders now. Uh, inventory should ship later this month. Um, uh, but you can go ahead and, and, and order it now, and your, yours will be the first to ship out uh, all these pre-orders that are coming in today and, and over the next few days will be the first ones at the top of the stack to be shipped out as soon as our inventory uh, arrives. And so spiritofthefalseprofit.org, you, uh, you can check that out uh, at your leisure and spread the word as well. We want people to... Uh, uh, to get this book. I, I'm really, really excited about it, David. It's uh, I, I think I like it better than the Spirit of the Antichrist books. It's just so uh, just current and so much is happening, and, and it really uh, kind of gives us a glimpse of what's going to happen in that uh, coming technocracy. Uh, so, David, we want to start with a scripture before we get to our subject today. Today, we're going to be uh, talking about America's rapid downward spiral with David Fiorazzo. And uh, we read in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, uh, we might have hope. And, you know, the, the Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years uh, in three different languages by 40 different human authors. It started in 1446 BC during the wilderness wanderings as Moses penned the words of the first five books of the Bible. And then by the 400s BC, the Old Testament was complete, and we come to the New Testament in the first century, after the time of Christ, the early apostles and believers, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote the 27 books of the New Testament. And this is one of them, Romans, written on Paul's third missionary journey around 57 AD. And uh, he refers back here to the Old Testament scriptures and how they were written that we might uh, have hope. In 1 Corinthians, written about the same time as Romans, Paul wrote it on his third missionary journey uh, as well. He said, now all things happen to them, talking about Old Testament saints, as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. This is the final age. The Bible calls the church age the last days, because the only age to come is the kingdom age, when Christ will come back and rule in perfect peace and righteousness and justice. And so Paul says, in light of that 
let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So David, I am so excited to have you on the show today. I know you're one of the busiest guys on the planet, but thanks for making time. And before we kind of get into some of the news items that ta- that demonstrate that uh, we are headed in a scary direction, uh, take some time here and fill us in on what's going on with uh, David Fiorazzo Ministries and the upcoming podcast and uh, conferences, anything you've got, uh, fire away. Sure. Well, thank you for having me, JB. Always a blessing to speak with you. I love you, brother. I appreciate your friendship. And um, starting the new podcast, the new TV, it's a video show. The website is worldviewmatters.tv. People can subscribe and get email updates to see whatever guests are coming up and what we have going on. Um, That's worldviewmatters.tv. So you will be my first guest. I want to put that out there. Um, it's well, be fun. Wait, wait a minute. I, <laughs> I, I agreed to be the first guest, not realizing it is a video. That means I gotta, I gotta put on a shirt. I can't just be in my pajamas and do the audio podcast. Right. I, I gotta dress yeah. up. No, thank- yeah, you're gonna have to, you have to shave and clean up <laughs> yeah. a little bit for that. JV. Yeah, that's right. No, I can't wait. Thanks for that. So, well, so we start recording next week. Um, it's going to be exciting and, uh, it's always, you know, there's that uncertainty of, you know, what's going to happen the first. We're trying to get all the technical stuff taken care of. But I've got some great people coming up. Uh, you, uh, Heidi St. John, the busy mom. I've got Trevor Loudon uh, that first week and um, Laura Perry Smaltz. She's a former transgender and author. Um, also in the coming week at Worldview Matters, we've got John Haller, Andy Woods, Scott Shera, Dan Fisher. Uh, Dr. Jake Jacobs, Dr. Duke Pesta, Pam Welk, George Carneal, former homosexual, and the list goes on and on and on. But I, I want to mention something briefly, because before the 11th and that first episode of Worldview Matters, I'll be speaking at a prophecy conference in Appleton, Wisconsin, and that's at the Great Lakes Conference in the fall. Uh, kicks off Friday the 8th, which is coming up in a week, and the 9th, and uh, Curtis Bowers is going to be there, Pastor Jeff Sowald. Chris Quintana, and um, who else? Tommy Ice, who you recently either talked to or uh, spoke with at an event. So some great people. And people can live stream. I want you to know, you don't have to be in Wisconsin. You can live stream. You can check out Calvary Chapel in Appleton. Their website is ccappleton.org. And I think they're streaming on their Facebook page. And it's free to stream online. So if you can't make it, uh, you can stream. So ccappleton.org. Awesome. Yeah. And I tell you, it's it's worth the price of the live stream just not to have to go to Wisconsin. I mean, you, you knew I was going to say that. Oh, boy. Any yeah. chance I get to pick on the Packers, you know, I uh, I can do it. So, no, that's fantastic. By the way, I worked with Laura Perry Smalls. We we were both speakers at a conference in uh, earlier this year in like March or April in uh, Tulsa. So, yeah, that's awesome. She's wonderful. So, yes, she um, is. Awesome. So uh, the conference, the podcast, and did I hear you have a new book coming out before too long? Yes, I'm finishing it up. I've got about two or three chapters to go, and it's called The Assault on the Image of God. And by translation, that means Christians are under attack, the church is under attack, the biblical worldview is under attack. And that's what we're talking about today. And these topics and the articles I, I kind of picked to discuss today as disturbing as they might be, these are some of the things that we're seeing all around the world, but particularly in America. And what's different about America 
is we've had this reprieve in world history with the Constitution and the First Amendment, and Christians have kind of, uh, you know, skated in in some ways. Uh, but now persecution is here. It's not coming. It's here. The level of it and intensity, who knows how quickly things will get uh, to a certain point. But the attacks are coming. And the premise of the book is Amago Dei, the image of God. Satan hates of course, God, but he hates mankind created in his image. Just go to Genesis chapter one. Um, but we see everything from abortion, the slaughter of human life in mother's wombs before they even get a chance to be born, to euthanasia, killing off old people, to putting the planet and uh, nature, quote, mother nature, above God and humanity. So nature is more important in the environmental movement. And then we've got the transgender ideology, which says now you can decide whatever gender you want to be because uh, to them, there is no creator. So male and female, they don't go by the binary <laughs> rules of law, right? The laws of nature and nature is God. So here we are, but these are all attacks on the image of God um, and now the image of God in man, of course. So we'll be talking a little bit about that today in a couple of these articles. Yeah, I tell you what, you know, I, I talked a little bit about that in in uh, my book on, you know, in the section on transhumanism. Uh, mm -hmm. I've addressed transhumanism before in Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 2, but we talked about it in connection with AI and the false prophet. But, you know, AI does not have uh, gender. Uh, so the reason they are trying to marginalize gender, I call it the gender surrender movement, is because mm -hmm. it's it's sort of a, a way to both simultaneously attack God, as you said, by attacking uh, the highest pinnacle of creation. Only mankind is made in the image of God. But at the yeah. same time, it's also sort of conditioning people to think that gender is irrelevant, that it's uh, you know insignificant. You can be whatever gender you want. Uh, and so it's, I think, a demonic attack. And uh, I can't wait to uh, wait for your book to come out. We'll have to pray that the Lord gives you the time. I know it's tough to be writing and you know, oh boy. launching a new podcast at the same time, but uh, yeah. God's grace is sufficient. Yep. So um, these are some of the things I think that the church, I think generally the church did not expect to see um, what we're talking about, especially, you know, you think about AI, you think of the the technology today. Um, we are in very, very different times than our great grandparents mm. and even our grandparents' generation, um, even before the internet. And uh, so much has happened. And that's one of the one of the chapters in my book. I'm going to give it away. It's called What Would Our Great Grandparents Think? Wow. Yeah. Just imagine, I mean, depending on how old you are, uh, you and I can say our great-grandparents, maybe someone that's 25 years old can say my grandparents or whatever. But the, the point is, years ago in that generation, they could hardly fathom what we're dealing with today. Mm -hmm. um, I, I meet young people today just in my own neighborhood or people that kids from church. And what I just preached at a church last weekend. I talked to a couple high schoolers. Actually, they're just out of high school. And I, and I told them I have no idea what I would have been like had I had the pressures that they are faced with. How, how, how would I have dealt with that? Because I wasn't really uh, solidified and confirmed in my faith at that time when I was in high school. Uh, one foot in the world, one foot in, quote, religion. And I was going just because my parents went. So I didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So how, how would I have handled some of what they are dealing with today, everything from social media, the internet, the pressures, and the LGBTQ ideology, and, and now this redefining of truth and the destruction of society, moral absolutes, and deconstruction of 
faith and the nation and all these different attacks we're seeing. So mm -hmm. I really feel for the younger generation, but it reminds me that we need to take an extra, um, make extra effort to be compassionate uh, toward young people today because they're deceived. They're not the deceivers. They're deceived and it's not their fault. But the way they're being programmed, some of them are very dedicated and committed uh, social justice activists, and they might not be able to uh, defend everything that they believe and that everything they're working for, but they know the talking points and they are convinced that they're worth fighting for. So we've it's a battle of truth, isn't it, JB? It is. And that's why I, I love your new your new podcast, because it really does come down to worldview. It comes down to a thinking error and the mind. It's always been a battle for the mind. Um, we've yeah. got to take every thought captive. We've got to set our mind on things above. We've got to avoid, as Paul said in Colossians, being taken captive by the, the philosophy of this world. Um, you know, talking about the young people, one thing that I've noticed, you know, we we travel a lot, Wendy and I, and, and often uh, Brooke and Zoe go with us. Uh, but this last trip, uh, we just got back from Dallas, was just me and Wendy. And, you know, everywhere we travel, of course, we stop at hotels, we stop at, you know, restaurants and whatnot. And one thing that I've noticed, it just occurred to me on this last trip, and, and maybe it's just sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy because I've been studying and researching the whole concept of of transgender and transhumanism so much uh, lately. But it seems to me, David, that I'm seeing more and more examples of obvious transgendered young people. Like, I mean, mm. you, you look and you just think, I don't know whether that's a man or a woman. I don't know whether that's a boy or a girl. I just don't know. Yeah. And, and I get that, you know, kids are always expressive and, you know, they'll they'll do different things just to get attention. But this is different. This is clearly like intentionally trying to, either look androgynous or clearly yeah. look the opposite of what they are. And you do a double take and you go. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like this is uh, just another sign of the times. It is, uh, it is sad to think about bringing up, you know, children in this culture. Um, but it, it, you know, none of this surprises God, right? He's, he's in exactly. control and uh, someday uh, this mortal is going to put on immortality and we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. So, uh, so yeah. So what, what else are you seeing out there in the, in the news world? Well, I wanted to mention uh, a couple of different articles and one of them, and they each have a twist. It's not just about the headline. It's about something interesting within the story itself. And this one, um, over at harbingersdaily.com, uh, in contentious religious freedom debate, Congressman insists it's too far for Christians to call Jesus the only way. Mm. And I'll start from the end of the article where it says for 2000 years, Christians have claimed that salvation and reconciliation between God and man can only come through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And the fact that a sitting member of Congress finds one of the most basic claims of Christianity bigoted displays a stunning lack of awareness about the world's largest religion. Mm. But the interesting thing here, JB, it all started when um, a member of uh, Communications for Ohio Right to Life and a former Trump, Trump uh, campaign official tweeted, there's no hope for any of us outside of having faith in Jesus Christ alone. Amen. You and I would would shout a hearty amen <laughs> to that. But in this day and age, that's pretty controversial. Mm. Why? Because it sounds so exclusive. Mm. Um, but here's the person that responded, Representative Max Miller, 
The interesting thing about him, first of all, he might be Jewish. I don't know. But he, he said, God says the Jewish people are the chosen ones, but you say we have no hope. Thanks for your pearl of wisdom today. This is one of the most bigoted tweets I've ever seen. Mm. You've gone too far. So mm. here's not only a Jewish member of Congress, but listen to this, JP, it's a Republican. <laughs> so there's a, there's another twist because yeah. you would think, well, Republicans at least are out of the two major parties are the most, quote, tolerant. Uh, there are some Christians. There are many conservatives in the Republican Party. And then there's some rhinos and and many other categories, <laughs> but we don't need to go down that road. Um, but here's a Republican and he's Jewish. And he says, you and your Christian faith saying that Jesus is the only way it's the gospel, right? Yeah. You've gone too far. Do you remember, um, boy, five years ago, roughly where, um, there's a member of Cong Congress that said, um, what you deem to be God's will is no interest in to the House of Representatives. He said that on the House floor. Jerry Nadler, oh, Dem well, Democrat yeah. from New York. Jerry Nadler said that you know God's will is a, a, is of no concern to to this House. In other words, Congress could care less mm. about the God of the Bible, the one true God. We're all about man. We're all about politics. But this is, of course, not surprising from a congressman. But the fact that He's calling Christianity is a pretty big religion, you know. Um, now he's saying our basic gospel, the basic gospel, the true gospel, which is the power of God to salvation, is you've gone too far, Christians. You can believe it in private, but don't bring it out in public. Don't bring it to the House of Representatives. Don't tweet it. Don't put it on social media. So I find this to be another degree, uh, JB, of hostility toward the Christian faith. And I write about this in my new book as well. Yeah, I mean, that congressman who th said it's the most bigoted thing he's heard, not only is he, you know, naive and and not, you know, clearly uneducated in the biblical scriptures, Yeah, it also sounds kind of like a snowflake to me. I mean, if that's the most bigoted thing you've ever heard, you pretty live Boy, a pretty sheltered life, you know what I mean? I was thinking but, that too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, I talked about that in Dallas at the uh, Hope for Our Times conference with Tom Hughes about apostasy being one of the uh, signs of the times that we're getting closer to the return of the Lord. And under that heading of apostasy, I specifically mentioned the rise in inclusivity, the, the view that uh, multiple pathways will lead to heaven. And, and uh, you know, but the faith that Jesus demands is an exclusive faith. You know, getting to heaven is not a, a, a buffet line at Luby's. You know, it, you don't get to pick and choose which one. I think I'll have a little bit of Islam, a little bit of Buddhism. No, no, yeah. Jesus plainly said, I I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And more than 160 times, the New Testament plainly states you have to believe in Jesus in order to have eternal life, period. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I get into that in my discussion about that AI Jesus, the fake Jesus in my new book. And uh, it's just stunning. Uh, but that's what we're going to be facing more and more. Uh, I think that is, it's already happening, of course. I mean, exclusivity has been under attack for several decades, but it's now getting to the point where people are getting called out for mentioning it at, just as you read in that story. And we're going to have to steal ourselves. Uh, but sadly, David, you know, I think the church is ill-equipped to, to handle it. I think most believers will cower in the face of, yeah. of that pressure and they will say, well, yeah, maybe you're right. You know, maybe, uh, maybe you can, you know, maybe Jesus isn't the only way. What do you, what do you think? 
Well, I, when you said that, I thought of this book by Eric Metaxas, Letter to the American Church. Mm -hmm. That's his book. He's written, of course, on Dietrich Bonhoeffer and uh, Silence in the Face of Evil is itself evil. And he says, where did we in the church suddenly get this idea that these issues out in culture, the evils that are affecting our neighbor and are affecting us, they're somehow now deemed political, so we shouldn't address them or yeah. talk about them. Where did we get this idea because um, you can't compartmentalize Jesus. No. He is either, we either are, we, we live for Christ. We are, he is our life, not just part of our life. So he, there's some very good points to be made, but yeah, this is the mentality of the church. And it's been, I think, uh, brewing for many, many decades. It's pro probably maybe the Johnson amendment in the 1960s didn't help because pastors said, oh no, now I can't talk about anything from the pulpit that's maybe political because I don't want to get my 501c3 revoked, which is a lie. Uh, but And we can go talk more about that. But yeah, it, it also affects everyday believers. If your church leaders are not addressing these issues, other people are not equipped to talk about them. I mean, unless I, most people, if they're solid remnant believers, uh, like probably listeners to your podcast, they know what scripture teaches. They dig in, they study the Bible, they they watch good teachings, and they are well equipped. So they do know that we can't just sit back. Uh, apathy is not an option. I mean, Jesus warned in you know mm. Revelation uh, uh, you know three, the lukewarm church of Laodicea, um, and just a lot of other warnings too that uh, on the church of Ephesus. You know, I will you know I'll take away your lampstand, and now there's just nothing but rubble in Ephesus. There's no church there. There's no just there's just remains because they left their first love and you know so we aren't we shouldn't hide our light um the very thing that could point people to christ and expose the darkness we are keeping i like to say it behind church walls and not going out into our culture as salt and light so yeah that's a problem today yeah i mean we're real we're really gonna have to 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 have thicker skin and and really toughen up I and mean, we we worry about uh, you know, the lockdowns and medical tyranny and all of the, yeah. the global surveillance yeah. and all of that. And that's what uh, the, my new book largely covers. But I think this notion of making Christianity a crime, basically, by anybody that claims that you're the only way, because remember, the false prophet is going to preside over the one world religion. And that one world religion, according to Daniel, is going to be a pluralistic religion where the Antichrist denies all of the gods of his fathers and brings everybody together under one tent. So anybody that, that claims, you know, in the end times during the tribulation, you know, oh, you know, you have to be a Christian to be saved. That's immediately going to be punishable by death. I mean, you're, they want everybody to take the mark of the beast, which will show your allegiance to this new God. And he's a God that says, come one, come all, whoever wants, as long as you pay a, a allegiance to me, the false Christ, uh, you can get in. Uh, I had to chuckle when you mentioned uh, LBJ, because I, I actually address him in the book, because in my chapter, really? yeah, I do, because I have a chapter called, uh, leading up to my discussion of the future false prophet, called Historical Henchmen, Lackeys, and Wingmen. And I talk about the role of a second in command and throughout history. Uh, I, I, first, I talk about three uh, major ones going back into ancient times with uh, Emperor Augustus and uh, Marcus Vespanus was his uh, second in command. And then um, uh, the uh, Middle Ages uh, guy, uh, 
I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but then I get into uh, Hitler and, and jo Joseph Goebbels. But I also have a wow. chapter on famous U.S. vice presidents that uh. have very significant roles as a vice president. And uh, LBJ, there's quite a few stories that I that I tell about him. So uh, he's not the only one. But uh, yeah, so, well, we uh, we started out with that article uh, on kind of a low note. So uh, something tells me it's going to go down from there. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's go. Let's go visit your neck of the woods, JB. Let's go to Colorado and find out what's happening there. Uh, there's a Christian coffee shop. Um, it's a new Christian business called the Drip Cafe. And I believe they uh, opened in May or June, but since June, they have had protests outside their doors. And uh, it, they made the mistake of mentioning biblical sexuality in a statement on their website. That's what their mistake was. And that's their crime, mentioning where they stood on biblical sexuality. And they've been attacked, harassed. Their building has been defaced. Uh, death wishes to the owner. Their windows have been broken. Customers are scared away. There's a guy at times with a bullhorn out front shouting at people who want to go in. So this has affected them financially, of course. But once again, those who claim to be victims and oppressed, the LGBTQ are the very ones who are hating these Christian business owners who are using mob tactics. The twist in this story is this is a business or, or a Christian business that's helping the homeless. Their whole purpose is to help take people off the streets, give them practical work experience and help them with, with even housing, with finances, with a job at this drip cafe. And so there's really this level of intolerance seen by this activist crowd. Now, the other twist in this, it's not just the LGBTQ. It's I believe it's Colorado or Denver communists. So you've got the Denver communists teaming up with LGBTQ activists. And obviously, we're, this is a worldview war, right? We're talking that's one worldview, anti-Christ, anti-God. And so you got to lump the communists, the LGBTQ activists, and socialists and atheists all over there coming against this Christian business. But they've been doing this since June 2nd. Um, and I want to quote the owner, and then I'll let you comment on it, because it's in your neck of the woods. And the owner simply said this. He said, it's to the point where, wh where does the free speech, where does their free speech start to impede my civil rights as a Christian and to believe what I want to believe? He said, my rights are under attack while they're trying to protect the communists' rights which is super bizarre. And he's making a reference to being in the United States of America and they're protecting the rights of communists and LGBTQ activists who are clearly doing more than just they're protesting, but yes, they're, they're also violent there. They're really doing some things that used to be against the law in America, but if you do it against Christians now, apparently if it's for a good cause, AKA the year of, the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation and George Floyd riots across the nation in 2020. If it's for a good cause, if it can be justified by the left, then of course they'll let the law slide. So we're seeing a new level of lawlessness. In this case, it's being justified because the owners leave what the Bible says about God, about biblical sexuality. JB, what's going on in Colorado anyway? I 
I tell you what, they don't call it Camirado for nothing. Uh, let me tell you, it's. Uh, and by the way, I want to put a shout out to all the the folks at our home church there in uh, Plum Creek Chapel. Uh, we've just been growing like like crazy. Two services. The second one's already overflowing. Uh, but if you're in Denver, go visit the Drip Cafe. I mean, yes. this is, they need your support, if especially if you like coffee. Uh, you know, we live about an hour from there, so it's not as easy for me to get up there. But next time I'm in the area, I'm going to stop in. And Wendy and I have done this before, actually. We did it with a church down in Texas one time. We we knew we were near there. It had been in the news. We made a point to stop in there and uh, and and just say, uh, you know, hey, appreciate your stand. Um but, yes. you know, to me, I'm, I'm looking at your article. By the way, this is uh, an article that David wrote and that he's talking about here, and it's on Harbinger's Daily. So if you go to harbingersdaily.com and click on David Fiorazzo, you'll go to his latest uh, articles and uh, info there. But uh, I'm looking at the picture that you posted with this article or that Harbinger's posted. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, all of these protester signs, that's a those are things that make me want to go there anymore. For example, it says Drip Cafe is anti-gay. Well, I'm not anti-gay people. I think we need to love everybody and and bring them to faith in Christ and hopefully help them. But I am anti-gay. You know why? Because God's anti-gay. I mean, not gay people. God loves everybody. We should love everybody. But the practice of homosexuality is clearly not something we should be for. We should not be pro-homosexuality. We should be against homosexuality because that's a moral absolute. So to me, I'm thinking, well, good for them. Drip Cafe, man, let's let's go. Uh, but yep. yeah, it's just uh, it's just sad. Uh, the protesters out front, and you know, uh, if you tried to do that out front of a gay bar, oh man, my goodness, you know, you'd be arrested. They would literally arrest you for a hate crime. If you if you tried to protest and block the entrance to a a, a gay bar or gay nightclub, you'd be and you would, yeah, and, and you would possibly be beaten up with with the authorities looking the other way while it's happening. Yes. Um, I just want to mention they do have, or at least um, when I wrote the article last week, they they do have a I believe it's a give send go link where you can help them if you care to go online and help them because they've lost a lot of business in the last couple months, but. The guy's, the owner's name is Sanchez. He started up Project Revive, and the goal was to bring homeless individuals in and help them break the chains that are holding them down. And it, to their uh, understanding or to their view, practical help includes mental health, spiritual coaching, financial advice, job acquisition, and housing. So here they are, Christians trying to do the work of Christ, be the hands and feet of Jesus, and helping people the poor and the homeless in the community and the communists and the LGBTQ activists are really affecting that business and protesting that business because they believe in the Bible and the biblical view of marriage is really, that's a new level of intolerance when you know some people are suffering and you are preventing Christians or anyone else from helping those that are suffering. So this is what's really sad to me, JB. Well, let's, uh, I know we've got uh, one other article we want to talk about, but I just feel led to stop right now and pray for this, this uh, family that's running that business and, uh, and just pray for their protection. So let me pray. Lord, I just lift up the Drip Cafe. Lord, we don't know where they are personally in their theology or in their walk with you, but we know what they're taking a stand for is right. It's biblical and it honors you. And so, Lord, we pray for their protection. Yes, pray for blessings. I pray that you would just honor them for being a faithful steward of, of your word. And I pray that all of these enemies that are coming against uh, this uh, cafe would just be silenced. Uh, they would uh, that you would just uh, 
uh, just bring, you know, lead them away, just to protect this uh, cafe. And Lord, I pray that uh, this example would uh, raise up and embolden other believers to not be afraid to take a stand uh, for what's right. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, JB. And uh, there is no smooth transition to this other article I wanted to talk about now. It is one of the most disturbing articles I've read and news stories with where it goes um, in recent years. And um, that's saying a lot with all that mm. you and I keep up with <laughs> out there. But this is about playing God. This is about man playing God. It's about idolatry. It's about uh, tr removing the truth of God and creation and how we are created in his image. Uh, that themes keeps coming up. But now we're talking about the medical community. What do I mean? The American Medical Association um, has what's called a, a journal of ethics. And the recent issue, authors from the AMA are now suggesting uterus transplants mm -hmm. to help men. In other words, they call them transgender women. We know that uterus transplants to be put in a man so that a, a man can try to have a baby. They are saying this is some this is science that we should be looking into because there's a need and i'll, I'll it's cha-ching jb cha-ching that's that's yeah that's the when, need. when, you, when yeah. you talk about the medical establishment and the way they're going down this not everybody because there are some a lot of dissenters but they don't get the, the media and the, the megaphones of the media but the american medical association also suggested that american taxpayers should help fund these procedures which can cost up to three hundred thousand dollars so mm -hmm. this is the beginning part of this where we've got the now with the medical community there's there's people that ag agree and disagree in, within that community but who's winning so far you see the advancement of this transgender ideology and you're going wow we have really just thrown truth and moral absolutes and what at least creation science, biology, we just throw that out the window with what they're going along with today. But my question is, one of the questions I raise, I'll raise an ethical issue. Just because we now have the technology and the medical advancements to do something, does that mean we, mankind, the medical profession should do it? So I guess the first uterus transplant was in Sweden, I think, 2014, but they've done about 100, from what I understand, worldwide. And now there's a bigger need because some very extremely rare cases, uh, a woman could be born without a uterus in extremely rare cases. So let me jump ahead to something that uh, the University of Alabama was able to accomplish. Um they have the, a uterus transplant program. It's only one of four in the country in Alabama there at UAB. They were able to help a mother who was diagnosed with a rare condition, causing her to be born without a uterus. They did this procedure in May. Actually, last year they did the procedure. And in May of this year, a baby boy became the very first to be born from a natural, you know, a woman because of their program and transplanting a uterus from someone who, who died or, a, you know, a donor or someone who had a hysterectomy. They, they do these things now, but now we're crossing over into Dr. Frankenstein territory, JB, mm. that this science fiction territory where we're, we're trying to 
now some people maybe they mean well i want to help and be compassionate to the transgender community these people that are sincerely oh they don't call them confused they say they really are convinced they were born in the wrong body or they should or they are the opposite sex or gender now we need to help them and that's what to me and, and to most Christians and counselors, one of the worst things you can do is affirm. And the example I give is someone who is anorexic. You say, okay, uh, let me help you starve yourself. Mm. You would not do that in any other disease or, or issue or mental illness, uh, alcoholism. Here, 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 here's a, a, a case of, of bourbon. If you're an alcoholic, you would never do this to any other person who has this kind of disease, but to transgenders, and we are told to affirm them as being loving. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. Absolutely. Uh, there's so much more. There's another twist this article takes, but I'll let you share your thoughts too. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're so right. I mean, uh, we all have a sin nature and propensities. Paul talks in Romans 7 about how sin wills to have him. It desires to have him and, yeah. and, and this struggle. And so we don't feed that flesh. We don't affirm that flesh. Uh, we strive to to live a godly. So the same thing is true for heterosexuality or pedophilia or anything else. If someone is is outside of God's divine design and you know crossing over morally clear boundaries, uh, we don't affirm that. We want to help them avoid that. And so, yes. yeah, you talked earlier about how you know what would our our grandparents think and our parents even. You know, I look at the diagram that goes with that article, and I'm thinking. It, you know, it's it's just showing how they're going to make an incision yeah. and insert yeah. this uterus. It's just, it's like that. You 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 have to pinch yourself and say, is this reality? Is this really happening? And it is. I mean, uh, they are they are like mad scientists in a laboratory pouring potions together and laughing and saying, let's see what happens if we do this. You know, they're, they're not even thinking through it. And uh, I mean, what are the implications of this? It goes way beyond gender. But yeah. what if we can start? biologically and medically crossing species, which of course they're already doing. Chimeric technology is way, way advanced down the road. But what if it becomes mainstream like this? And you can use taxpayer funded money to to go into the doctor and be, say, hey, I'd like you to uh, give me a, a set of antlers like deer have, or I'd like you to have, you know, add a tail, or I'd like, I really love, um, you know, pick the animal. And so can you make me look like that? I mean, it's just sickening, uh, you know, this attack on the image of God and man. Satan, as you said, hates man. Therefore, yeah. he hates, I mean, hates God. Therefore, he hates man because man is made in the image of God. So he's doing, he's just systematically destroying, uh, you know, people. And, and the thing that's the most disturbing is is the young people because they're the most innocent and when they're yes. slicing and, and, and dicing the young people and vulnerable yeah it's yeah, just yeah they they don't have a worldview established yet and they're learning this when they're and i'll tell you what jb some disturbing uh news items coming across that the left is reaching them in kindergarten mm -hmm. and in the public schools and at younger and younger ages getting them to question or getting them just to normalize pronouns or this ideology but whatever happened to do no harm because in this story we're talking about the medical community mm. i i do want to quote one doctor um dr martin mccari of uh, johns hopkins school of medicine medicine he said rather than funding objective medical studies on transgender medicine the ama has chosen activist positions on this delicate topic 
why don't they fund a study on the long-term regret rate of children who undergo transitioning surgery? Why is the suicide rate among those who undergo aggressive hormone or surgical treatment versus long-term talk therapy? Or what is the suicide rate? And I'll tell you, JB, the left is not interested in funding those studies that really would help people. The only one that I've been aware of, there was one that took place in Sweden and it goes back decades. And the long story short of it is there is a higher suicide rate uh, with those who have gone through these, quote, sex change operations or have taken these hormones. And not only that, there's some in this study that dropped out and they're not even part of the study. And so you go, OK, what happened to them? So there's a lot of concerns here. And one of the takeaways of that study and Sweden is one of the most affirming and approving of of all things, you know, LGBTQ, but especially the gender ideology, the gender surrender, as you appropriately put it. The, the fact is there are a lot of people that are less happy now. So it almost proves that these transitions, in quotes, or sex change, in quotes, air quotes, they do not produce long-term happiness. There's no proof for that. Some people, sure, they might, within a year or two of the surgery, might feel like, okay, yeah, I did that. Now I'm, the pain is, um, I don't have as much physical pain after the surgery, post-op, post now I'm feeling a little bit better. But long-term studies, JB, they're not to be found. And so there's also no long-term studies on the effects of injecting hormones into children. I would put that in the article. But the other one I want to talk about, this is where Frankenstein comes in again. <laughs> uh, and this is one of the most disturbing things. And I'm going to kind of spare the graphic details. But there's a doctor in um, San Francisco and Austin, Texas. Doctor, his last name is Crane. Uh, he does surgeries, I think, gosh, how many? He's booked up for like a year in advance. Uh, in the article, it says how many he's done. But anyway, um, he's done these surgeries called non-binary genital operations. He's been doing them since 2015. He's got five doctors, so probably more now. He, okay, he's done more than 1,000 procedures hmm. on people. And this includes castration or nullification procedures. And nullification is just the way it's, it's nothing. It means they, they remove genital, genitals and create smooth um, skin, uh, smooth areas where your genitals should be if you're a male or a female. Mm. I'm trying to keep it as non-graphic mm. as possible. In some cases, a woman does not want to have a hysterectomy. She still wants to have her female parts, but, she, but if she's transitioning, so-called, to a male, she wants to have a, you know, the male part put on. We can say it that way. They're having both. Mm. There are some people that are saying, I want to keep my, mm. how I was born, my natural parts, but I want to have the opposite sex put surgically put on now. So I just put that in the most mild way I can put it. You wow. can go to davidfiorazzo.com and, and read the details on that article and what they're doing. But this is evil, JB, but it's being endorsed. It's being celebrated as as advancements to the in the medical community. Um, for the American Medical Association to even talk about taxpayer funding of uterus transplants, and now to have th these kinds of operations where I guess people are undecided, undecided, so they can have you know both you know male or female genitals. It's just really disturbing, and we have to take it back to the cause of this, and it is a it is removing God 
and saying, I can be whatever I want to be. And this is where we're at today, unfortunately. Um, this wow. is something you and I were talking before we got on the podcast. We both said we did not see this coming. <laughs> it, it's It's gone so far. And as you said, now people are going to be trying to be made physically into animals. They will never be animals, but there will be some people who will want to be a reptile. I've seen it. They've done the tattoos. Their face looks like a snake or a lizard or something. And I've seen people like the birds or wolves or whatever. They've, they're doing tigers. This woman with a complete tiger face, they're starting to have fangs and they're starting to do this physical transformation. How sad it is. And what a slap in the face of our loving creator God who is looking at his creation and saying, they don't want anything to do with me. How much longer can we last down here on this planet, JB, with this going on. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's 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 so sad. I mean, my I, I read a story recently about a, a college up in Montana, of all places, where one of the uh, female students in the female dorm identified as a cat, and they allowed her to have a litter box out in the hallway where she uh, was able and allowed to right in front of everybody use the restroom. And then uh, my one of my sons, his first year in college a few years ago, his roommate was a furry who who oh literally dressed up as an animal the whole time. That's what he identified with. So. I mean, th this idea of sort of seeking pleasure and and contentment and joy in all the wrong places. You you said it a moment ago about how they think this is going to make them happy, but the statistics show it doesn't. And yeah. and I'm reminded of you know going back to how we started the program with our scripture passages. I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter eleven. Uh, the faith chapter that talks about all of these examples of godly men and women of the faith uh, yeah. through the ages that we should look to, for example. And in verse 24, it says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And listen to this, choosing rather to suffer affliction from the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Mm. That's what this really is when we're talking about it's a, it's a passing uh, warped fleshly pleasure that yep. people think they need and it's disastrous and it's going to really uh, and is really uh, really hurting them so I'd, I'd like to share if I, if I have time yeah you bet time to share, share another scripture um, this is something I'm giving a little teaser here so one of the sessions I'm going to be presenting at the uh, Great Lakes Prophecy Conference in Appleton at Calvary Chapel um I'm going to be sharing this scripture and, and talking about it, going back to 2 Peter 2. And it says, um, he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter. And listen to this. And if he uh, rescued righteous Lot, now, then he's going to describe what he means. How was Lot dealing with the evil in his culture? And this is where we can take away an application here. How do you feel with this wickedness around us, fellow brother and sister in Christ? If he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men. And then verse 8 is parenthetically inserted here. For by what he saw, he meaning Lot, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man while living among them felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment to the day of judgment. I just want to emphasize the fact that 
God understands he's not surprised at what's going on. And he knows some of many of us are grieved, mm. but this it's okay to feel oppressed by what's going on. It's biblical <laughs> and it won't be permanent, but we can look at the culture and we can feel what's the other word tormented. It says lot was tormented. Um, by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, he was oppressed. He felt he was tormented. And if we feel any sense of that, we are in good company because righteous believers, men and women of God throughout the ages have seen cultures around them not literally go to hell, but they're the wickedness and the rampant levels of evil. We're just taking it up to another notch here in America, calling evil good and good evil. Yeah. But we are in good company because it will... People throughout the ages, Christians throughout the ages have dealt with evil in their society. And the question always comes back to us in America now, how do we respond? We can be overwhelmed. Yes, it is dark, but we have to get back to the basics of the gospel, what yeah. we started out this podcast talking about. Um, yeah. So that's what we need to remember. We are still here for a reason. And there's people, these people, apparently, from what I understand, no one is too far from, for God to reach. <laughs> so... So we have to be about God's business and keep our focus, our hearts and minds set on him as we live in these days and times. Amen. I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Uh, people need yeah. Jesus there, but by the grace of God, go I. And uh, and so uh, we do want to encourage our listeners, because I know these podcasts uh, get out there and they stay out there perpetually. Uh, we have over 500 uh, approaching 600 on our podcast channel just from the last couple of years. And so you never know when the Spirit of God might lead someone to a podcast as they're doing a search on the internet. And so we want to implore you, if you're listening to this and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, He is the answer. He loves you. He died for you. He paid your Amen. penalty. Even though He never sinned, He was in incredible grace and love, willing to take your sin penalty upon Himself when he died on the cross and rose again, and having defeated death, hell, and the grave, he now offers freely to all who will trust him and him alone the gift of eternal life. So whatever you're trusting in, folks, if you're trusting in your own goodness, your own good works, your own behavior, if you're trusting in your religion, your baptism, your background, your family, your heritage, it's not going to get you there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever believes in me has everlasting life. So I hope you'll trust in him today. And then, uh, as David said, for believers, uh, we want to look to the example of uh, of God's Word and, and men and women of faith in throughout time and, uh, you know, heed the warnings that were given us and follow the examples, the positive examples yes. that were given us. You know, we can, it's okay to simultaneously say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, get me oh, out amen. of this incredible world. And yet at the same time, stand firm and fight, uh, knowing that we don't know when the Lord's going to come back uh, and we have a job to do until he comes. Amen. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. We do. So friends, keep plugging away, keep doing it, keep the faith. And as I say, I'm going to still on my new podcast, I'm going to say at the end, uh, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. And we're talking about a worldview issue here. We're talking about uh, people that need the hope of the gospel. They, a lot of them are, are feeling hopeless, which sends them down this path to destruction. 
Amen. Self-destruction. All right. Well, uh, so a couple reminders, worldviewmatters.tv. You can sign yes. up there. Uh, the first podcast will air September 11th. That'll be easy to remember. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, September 11th, looking forward to that. I'm honored to be the, the first guest. And then uh, spiritofthefalseprophet.org, spiritofthefalseprophet.org. Check it out. Brand new book just went on sale to the general public today. Uh, And I want you to check that out. And I know uh, it's going to be a blessing and really awaken, I think, a lot of people to what is happening all around us. Rise of the Global Technocracy is is the subtitle. And then finally, you've got a conference coming up for those in the Midwest. Uh, Remind us when that is again. Yes, it's the Great Lakes Prophecy Conference in Appleton, Wisconsin at Calvary Chapel, and that's going to be Friday, September 8th, one week from today, and Saturday, September 9th, and the website for the church is ccappleton.org. Live streaming is for free. It's available for those outside of the state. If you want to tune in, um, myself, Jeff Solwald, Curtis Bowers, Tommy Ice, Pastor Chris Quintana, and uh, mini concert with Bruce Carroll. Uh, he's going to be doing some worship. Oh there. man, I love Bruce Carroll. Yeah, man, yeah. I wish I could be there. I uh, <laughs> I love Tommy Ice. I've worked with with him forever. He co-authored a, a cha- or wrote a chapter in one of the books that I edited, and uh, we've done lots of awesome. conferences together. Just talked to him yesterday, in fact. And uh, and then uh, Laura Perry Smalls. Uh, she's I've worked with her. Wonderful. So uh, check it out, uh, folks. I know you'll enjoy that conference. Well, until By the way, time, JB, on, yeah. on my bucket list. I want to I want to do a conference with you on my bucket list someday. Okay, let's, well, let's, I, let's put that out there. It would be an honor. So yeah, you let us know and we'll we'll come see how this first one goes there and you know, there are very few people that I would venture into enemy territory for, but you're one of them. I would come I would even do a conference at uh, you know, the Packers stadium there, you know. Uh, That's right. I, you know, because I mean, they need Jesus, right? No, I'm just sure, kidding. They sure do. Oh, <laughs> no, they do. Believe Actually, it. Yeah, they, yeah, they, that G, that G on the top of the, that, that idol on the top of the stadium does not stand for God. No, it sure doesn't. That's true of all Dream NFL it. teams. So. All sports. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, God bless you, David. Thanks again. And folks, have a great weekend. Uh, If you're in the Denver area, come visit us Sunday at Plum Creek Chapel services at 830 and 10. Otherwise, we'll look forward to a great weekend and we'll see you next time. God bless.